Hi. Hi, I'm Brian. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Mark is right. We are best friends. And uh, we've known each other for 35 years. And uh, it is very exciting for me to be here and to share with you our story, but also share with you a series that you're in the middle of. And so I'm glad to be part of that uh, as well. Uh, it's good to see some friends that we've seen over Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and so thank you for coming back. I, I'm, most people don't come back the second or third time to hear me, so it's very good. Thanks. Um, we are experiencing in our city a remarkable thing. In fact, it's so remarkable when people, when we tell our story different places in the world, they say, that can't be happening in Canada. But it is. What God is doing in our city is so fantastic. And obviously, I'm just going to be able to tell a few stories and, and tie into what you're doing here at SunWest in Calgary. But let me, let me start with a story from one of our evenings. We, we do a barbecue every Friday night in the summer. We, we started this about 10 years ago. We call our barbecue Flippin' Fridays. We think it's a fun name because we're flipping barbecues, flipping burgers, and it's Friday. So we call it Flippin' Fridays. We found out from the street people that they call it the pimp, prostitute, and politician barbecue, which I think is a way better name. A couple years ago, we were doing our barbecue. We do them from 10 o'clock at night till 2 or 3 in the morning. We, we make sure we get there and we're there for last call in the bar because right across the road from our church is a bar. It's a kind of a seedy bar. Uh, not that there's any really, really nice ones per se, but this one is really not nice. And so we're there. We want to be there when, it, when the bar closes. And it, it was one night. It was about 2.10 in the morning. We were just packing up. And I'm looking across the street, and as I'm looking, actually, I didn't look. I heard this commotion come from across the street. And I, as I look, there's one guy running out of the bar, and there's five guys chasing him. And I'm going, that doesn't seem fair. Somebody should help that one guy. I'll help the one guy. So, so he's in the middle of the street. I run out in the middle of the street, and because these five guys are trying to get to him, I actually grab him like this, and I'm holding, I'm standing in between these five guys and this one guy. And they're like, he's like, he wants to get at them, and that's dumb, and they want to get at him, and they'll just destroy him. Uh, somebody else called. It's your computer, Mark. Are you calling? All right, these five guys are trying to get to this one guy. Stop it. Five guys are trying to get to this one guy, and I'm standing in the middle of them. And the, so one of these five guys gets right up in my face, and he's yelling at me, and he's swearing at me, and he's telling me to do things to my mother that I know I shouldn't be doing. And he's just freak. He's just, just, and, and from the side over here, another guy yells at me and goes, dude, don't hurt him. He's the chef. And he's still yelling, blah, blah. he's a guy, come on, guy, he's the cook. Well, well, I know he's talking about, though I've had the burgers, and, and chef is way up and above beyond what, what he should be calling me. But I had just been, I'd been on the barbecue of about two hours earlier, and I had been cooking. And I remember, when he said, I remember serving these five guys. And the guy looked up at me and said, you're the chef. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and he backed off and went totally away. But here's, here's what I was thinking in my head. And I didn't want to think in my head. It was just a, a situation that happened and I had to respond to. I was thinking in my head, if you want to get to this guy, you have to come through me. 
if you want to get to this one guy, like I think it's unfair, if you want to get to this one guy, you have to come through me. That is totally, oh, it's not up there. I, w- I was about to point to my presentation. That would have been a great, could you imagine that segue if I had done that and like let there be light and there was light, but oh, look. <laughs> wow. I need the intercessors to rise up quickly. <laughs> It was totally what Jesus was talking about when he said, I'm the gate. You're in this series on the I am's of Jesus, and he's freaking out people all over the place by saying, I am that I am, and everyone knows he means that he's God. And what he's saying here when he says, I'm the gate, he says, if you want to get to God, you have to come through me. And so there's this story, this, this, this connection between the gate. Oh, look, see, see how I did that? No, that worked really nicely. Can we go back? Go back, go back, because I want to do that again. <laughs> I want you to see this, because later on when I talk about the gate, this will be important. See that, like when we talk about the gate and the shepherd, we usually think of lovely pens and stuff. Really, in the first century, it really just would have been like a cave in the middle of, of, of like not necessarily so much in the field, but with like a cave with this kind of, it's like what, what it looked like. Okay, you ready? Everyone, everyone point with me. Oh, that was so good. Let's pray. That, I think we should end right there. That was just really, really, really good. John 10, starting at verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I've got three really simple points to this. The first point is this. This. Look at that. Say with me, get free. The first point is get free. And the only way to get free, just so you know, if you're sitting here and you don't know how to get free, the way you get free is through Jesus. Jesus is the gate. It's very similar to what he said uh, a few uh, chapters before, or, or you're talking about this later, where he says, I'm the way, the truth. He says, there's not a bunch of ways. There's a way to God. He's saying the same thing. If you want to get to God, there's one way. He says, I'm the gate. Jesus is the gate. He's the only way. Go ahead and, and hit that if you would. Look, I'm the gate. So Jesus is saying, if you want to get to God, come through me. Let's go to the next point if we can. The second point is live free, and I want to I take a little bit more time. I think most of us know that Jesus is the way, so I'm not going to take tons of time, but, but let, me, let me be straight up with you. If you're here this morning, and maybe your friend's been talking to you about Jesus, or somebody's been talking about Jesus, or maybe you just wandered in, you thought you were going to watch Risen in the theater today, and it was like, oh, that doesn't look like the guy that's supposed to be Risen. But the, I am, just so you know, I am that I am, him, or he, I am he. If you're here and you just wandered in, here's the deal. Jesus is so madly in love with you that he put his life on the line for you and and died on the cross. We sang about it today so beautifully. We sang about what Jesus has done. And what he really did, he he became the gate. He became the way. He put himself in harm's way. Let me explain that to you in first century terms. Remember the picture I showed you earlier of the cave? Remember that? Well, that's what they would have looked like. That's what the caves would have looked like in the first century. And for A shepherd in that day, what he would have done, he would have called all the sheep together at the end of the day. He would have made sure all the sheep got into the pen 
And at the end of that, when, the, when he, we made sure, we were standing there and he was, he was anointing their heads with oil and he was taking care of them, just like Psalm 23. He was taking care of all the sheep as they got in there. As soon as he knew all of them were in there and safe, he would lay down in the doorway. That's what the shepherd would do. So when Jesus said, I'm the gate, every person there, all the shepherds, but people would understand, man, I get what he's saying. He's actually, so if, if wolves want to come through, if wolves want to get the sheep, they have to come through Jesus. If anything uh, harmful wants to come through, they have to come through Jesus. And so that's when, when he said he was a gate, that's what they would have understood. So we're at the second point. It says we have to get free, and then we have to live free. So the get free is a part that Jesus does for us. The second part, the, the live free, is a part that Jesus does in us. And it goes on to talk about that we get to go in and out and find pasture. We get to have a, a rich and satisfying life. If you memorized the scripture years ago, it would have been abundant. You, you, you get to live more abundantly. How many memorized that one? That you have life and life abundantly. Do you know what that word abundant means? You know what abundant means? It's not just enough. So let, let's think about if you had a glass of water, like enough water would be full. Abundant water would be overflowing. Jesus says, I want to give you life that overflows. So when Jesus says, I want to come and I want to, you to live free, he says, I want what I do in and through, in, in you to come out of you. I want you to find life and then give it away. So Jesus says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this in you. And then I want to do it through you. So my wife was writing for a doctorate paper a few years ago, and she was writing on this specific passage and talking about freedom. And she said this, and I think she's right, and we should listen to my wife because she's very, very smart. She said this, too many Christians are content to be saved but not free. Too many Christians are content to be saved. They've said, Jesus, you can be my savior, but I'm not sure that I want to give you all of my life, or I'm not sure that I want to deal with all of my past. And here's the challenge with that. If we don't deal with our past, we can't move into our destiny, and that's really what he saves us for. He saves us so we can partner with him. He saves us. Yeah, he doesn't want us to not be with him in eternity, but he saves us so we can partner with him right here, right now, right in Calgary, right now. He wants you to partner with him. That's a good idea. And so we want to get free. We want to live free. And then lastly, we want to free others. Boom. Boom. Oh, there it is. Say free others. Go straight to the next uh, slide if you would. This is a very concerning verse out of Ezekiel. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. But read that last part with me. But I found no one. God's looking for people. I, I don't think this is just related to or connected to Old Testament stuff. I think God is still passionate about people. I think God still loves people. I think God still loves cities. Would you agree? And he's passionate for them. And I think he's still asking, is there someone that would stand in the gap for Calgary? Is there someone that would say, if you want to get to my neighbors, you have to come through me? If you want to get to my school, you have to come through me. If you want to get to those that I work with, you have to come through me. Are you getting the picture? Is there somebody that would stand with Jesus, that would stand in the gap, they would also become a gate of source. Because really what we do is we become like Jesus. When we become like Jesus, obviously we can't save people. That's not our job, but Jesus did that really, really well. Yes? But we get to be the ones that stand in the gap. We get to be the ones that say, if you want to come 
through, to my neighbors, my, my city, my school. If you want to come to Calgary, you have to come through me. And he's looking for people that will help people get to Jesus here in Calgary. Just go to the next slide, if you would. Mr. Speaker, eight years ago, Freedom House, a church and ministry center in Brantford, began on a mission called the Kindness Project to see if a city could be transformed by good into good using simple but strategic acts of kindness. In these eight years, among other things, roughly 20,000 hamburgers have been given away. A free winter carnival, Frosty Fest, is hosted. A school curriculum is in the works. Affordable housing has been built, provided for those in need. A local superhero, Captain Kindness, has emerged here, and here. taken control of the city. And this Friday, November the 4th, will be the second annual Random Act of Kindness Day in Brantford. The Kindness Project seeks to uncover the untapped level of synergy in the community as a collective commitment to serving each other. It's people helping people with what we all have in our hands to give. Mr. Speaker, we hope together to make Brantford known as the kindest city in Canada. Here, here. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of that, besides the fact that our MP for Brant, Brant, Brantford, Brant County, is talking about Freedom House in Brantford in Ottawa, about what's happening. But I love that the people are sitting there going, here, here, yes, kindest city in Canada, yes, here, here. What happens when you choose to be the one that stands between others? When, when you say to the five people trying to get the one guy, if you want to get to him, you have to come through me. If you become the one that says, if you want to get to my city, you have to come through me. What happens is something changes on the inside. And for us, as we observed our culture, our Canadian culture, we realized something had to happen. It's not that we're... We're nice people. Like Canadians, we're nice. We're known to be nice. We're, we're apologetic people. I'm sorry I had to say that out loud. But we're, we're, we're nice and we're apologetic. And we just, we like each other and people like us. But when you start talking about the fact that God wants us to bring heaven on earth, when, when God says, I'm looking for something to stand in the gap and change culture, that's a little bit counterculture of Canadians, but it's still what God is looking for. And so as we observed our culture, we realized one of the things that we could use in Canada was the character of Jesus, of kindness. If we exuded, if we could let that abundant life that is more than enough life, that more than enough joy, if we would let that overflow out of us, Everywhere we went, there's a good chance God could do some good things. Do you understand what we're saying? I'm saying? And so we chose to make kindness the foundation of our church called Freedom House when we started 12 years ago. And as I said, we did these barbecues to, it, and it wasn't just to be kind. Actually, we were feeding people, but we were actually intentionally going, we are going to change the culture of this part of our city. When we, when we bought the bar that we started the church in, it was a bar on Saturday. On Sunday, we changed the bar into a church, and we're doing church there. On Monday, we're renoing the bar into church, and there's a knock on the front door of the church, and I open the door, and I get propositioned on the front door of my church. And I turned to one of the guys I was working with. I said, Trevor, I didn't take this course at Bible college. <laughs> I, and, and we found out that there's, there's people, like, they're turning tricks in our, in our parking lot. And there's, 
there's people across the street. There's, there's a crack house across the street. There's a crack house around the corner. There's, there's a guy directly across the street on the third floor of the, the building, directly across from our church, and he's pimping out his wife every night. And we didn't know what to do. And so that's why we, we started this barbecue because we didn't know how to reach these people. So we just thought we'd hang out with them. We just thought we'd just get in their lives. And so it's amazing what happens when you get in people's lives and give them food. They just start talking. And so one night, it wasn't the first year, I think it was the second year that we were doing the Flippin' Friday, the barbecue, that uh, Dave said to me, or one of my assistants, he said, uh, I want to take, take hamburgers into the crack house. I said, let's do it. So we got this huge plate, and we made up this plate of hamburgers, and we delivered them into the crack house. Now, I don't know if you're going to need this information for your future life, but I'm just going to tell you, if you go to the crack house, you need to be aware there's a lot of cats there. I don't know why. I don't know how that's going to help your life at all. I just feel like I should share that there's a lot of cats in crack houses. I don't know why. We, we deliver these burgers, and actually we do it for a few weeks, and typically what happens, we'd knock on the door, we'd hand them the burgers, they'd close the door really quickly. Because here's the problem when we, we got there. We were sitting there one night, before we started the barbecue, we were sitting there one night, and we are looking across the road, and we watched eight and nine and ten-year-old boys at two and three in the morning on their bikes, just sitting to the, the left of the crack house, and a guy would come out and whistle, and one of them would go, and they'd take the drugs and mule the drugs somewhere in town. And that wasn't okay with me. So, so we want to close this crack house, and we thought, we'll do it with burgers. We're going to close the crack house with burgers. So, we, so we actually, it actually did. It, this, that crack house had been in our, in our neighborhood for 40 years. And so we started delivering pl- platters of, of burgers. And then eventually they started coming out and have, having burgers around the barbecue with us. And then we were able to send some of them off to rehab, and they got, they got saved, and they got, got uh, changed their life. And eventually, people saw it coming to the crack house, and now it's a new house. Actually, it's been tore down now. There's a brand new house there. The power. No, 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 listen. No, you can clap in a minute, but that's the power of a burger. And I'm telling you this story because, because you can do this. One of the coolest things. So I know Ian Green was here but a month ago or a couple months ago, rather. And the thing that he says, and he, he actually tells my story more than I. He shows my video. I wasn't even show the, I showed the video on Thursday and Saturday. But he shows my video around the world more than I do. And he says, the cool thing about what your story does, Brian, is that everyone looks at your story and goes, we can do that. I, have already, fe- I already feel like our trip to, to Calgary has been successful. Because in our first service, Lynn, Lynn was sitting right up here at the very end of the, the thing. She said, yeah, yesterday after you spoke of the men's thing, my husband came home and talked. And last night there was like four couples we went out and said, we have to start doing some stuff now. I felt like it was mic drop time. Like, I felt like I don't even have to come and speak anymore because that's what this is all about. I, I, I'm glad that these are cool stories and people go, oh, what a great story. I am more happy about that thing that happened this morning when Lynn said, we, we are not going to just let the, these be stories and information, but let it be inspiration to change the culture of our neighborhoods and our city. And you can do that. You can do a barbecue. You may not want to be up till 10 or 11 or 12 or 1 or 2 in the morning. That's okay. It's all right. It's all right, little one. But God will give you ways to change the culture here in Calgary. He will give you ways to change the culture at work. Because transformation is not just about church. It's not just, in fact, it's not just about getting people in church. It's actually more about getting the church out there. It's more about the church at work. It's more about, 
I know that I will have done well if Mark calls me or Matt calls me in a few months and go, man, this guy's business totally changed because of your burger story. Now, you may not serve burgers to the people you work with, but here's here's the deal. Because you're a Christian, because the kingdom is in you, you can bring the kingdom culture to where you work. You can bring the kingdom culture to where you work. The kingdom culture is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yes? Apostle Paul said that. I didn't say that. I didn't write that information. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You can bring that culture to your workplace. You can bring that culture to your school. You can bring that culture to your bank. Let me tell you a story of a guy in our church named Dave. Dave is a banker. He handles uh, jobs up to $50 million. Dave was really getting upset with his boss. He was actually on his way in. I preached a message on pastoring your, your business. Even if, you're not the, if, even if you don't own the business, I said, listen, I'm not going to reach people. I can't reach people that you meet every day. You, you are the only one that's going to be able to reach them. You need to learn to pastor where you work. So I, so I released every my church. I said, you're now the pastor. You're a pastor in your construction company. You're a pastor in your bank. And Dave took and said, I'm going to do that. He was actually planning on getting a new job. He was going in to quit the next day because he and his boss weren't getting along. He was planning on quitting. When he got to work the next day, he, he looked across the deck, desk, and the guy had already gone. It was a brand new boss. And he had to make a choice. He said, well, what do I do now? I can either play it safe or I can tell this guy that I'm his pastor. And about an hour into a two-hour meeting, he stopped the conversation and said, Jim, I want to tell you something. I appreciate that you're here, and it's fantastic, and I will serve you in a way I can. I'll be a great employee. He said, but I just want you to know that I'm your pastor. And if you ever need anything outside of business, if you ever need to talk to somebody, I know you're my boss, but if you ever need to talk to somebody, I'm here for you. They finished the meeting. Dave went on his way. He came back. Dave came back two weeks later and said, Brian, you got to hear this story. Jim came back to me two weeks later. Two weeks later, he says, says Dave, I got this thing going on, my, and I won't share this, the, the details, but he said, I got this thing going on in my life, and I don't know how to deal with it. Will you pray with me? You can change the culture of your home, of your school. You can let that kingdom culture, you can let that abundant life that's already in you, it's already in you. You don't have to work for it. It's already in you because Jesus is there. You can let that ooze out of you everywhere you go. And you can change culture. We, in a, in a culture where most Christians can't get in schools, we can't stay out of schools. We're getting more calls to go into public schools than we can keep up with. The, the guy, if you can just throw up that one picture because because uh, our MP there, there he is our MP mentioned on his on his message to Ottawa he mentioned Captain Kindness well we invented this guy for a, a Christmas parade we invented Captain Kindness we were already doing uh, kind acts on our city I said earlier that that our choice was to exude the character of Christ specifically love and kindness kindness and so when many people will do things like random acts of kindness, have you ever heard of those? You ever tried random? I really like intentional kindness. I really like making a choice to go, well, the fruit of the spirit of kindness is in me. I think I'm going to live that every day. And so we chose to do it. We were already doing all kind of cool kindness things. In fact, we were doing this car wash uh, one day. We do car washes not to raise money because that's a terrible way to raise money, in case you're wondering. We were doing it, and so we do this uh, stupid, inexpensive car. I think it was like a dollar. We were charging a dollar for a car wash just to meet people. In fact, 
after that, we changed. We do $1 car washes now. You can try this. We do $1 car washes now, and we give away the dollar. They drive in, and we give them a little card, and we give them. They were, they were, actually, they, they're pulling out money like 5 and $10. We actually hand them a dollar, and the car says, this is for the privilege of serving you. And then their brains blow up. And then they ask you, now listen to me, and then they ask you, why do you do this? This is really important. Why do you do this? Why do you give away burgers? Why do you do a free winter carnival? Why do you do all this stuff? Why are you so involved in our city? Why, why, why? And that makes it really easy to go, oh, we just want to show you the love of God in a practical way. And if the Holy Spirit's drawing them more, they're going to ask more questions. That's the way Jesus taught his disciples to do evangelism, by the way. In Luke chapter 10, you can look at this later. But Luke chapter 10, it says Jesus sent out 72 and he didn't say, go knock on the door and tell them about me. He didn't say that at all. He said, go, and what you should do is, the first thing you should do is just bless them. When you meet people, just bless them. Speak, become a person of peace. Become a peacemaker. Bless them. He said, if they invite you, you should stay with them. Eat and drink with them. Hang out with them for a while. He said, so bless them and fellowship with them. And secondly, show, or thirdly, rather, show them the kingdom. Before they even talk, he says, before they talk about the kingdom, he says, show them the kingdom. And in that context specifically, it was heal the sick. And we, get, we, have, we have a bunch of stories about that as well. But really, we use kindness as a door opener for people to ask us questions, and then we get to tell them about an amazing God. You can do a barbecue. You can do a winter. Oh, no, you don't want to do a winter carnival. <laughs> it's really hard. No, it is. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing we do all year. We do a winter carnival. Now, I'm going to back up and tell you why we do it. Because back in the 80s, we, our, our, our city was built around uh, Massey Ferguson. It's a farm implement uh, company industry. And Massey went bankrupt in the early 80s. Our city went into a huge recession. In 1994, our, when our, our mayor, who's a mayor still now, he was running. He became the youngest uh, mayor in Canada at the time. He called the downtown of Brantford after uh, 14, 15 years of recession, he called our downtown the worst downtown in Canada. And it was. It was brutal. There was one street, there was one street that was okay. The other street was just a row of crack houses and boarded up buildings. And they tried to make the buildings look better by putting uh, ply, not pretty plywood, just ugly plywood. And then they painted silhouettes of humans. Like not real, there's no real humans in our downtown. But there was silhouettes. And, and these, these silhouettes, they had dogs and cats like they were real humans. But they weren't real humans because nobody was coming downtown. And God called us to plant our church right in the middle of that. And so we're serving the city, we're doing a bunch of stuff, and the city's doing stuff. In fact, the city was talking about, we want to revitalize the downtown of our city. And so we chose to be in the middle of that. We'd help the city with Canada Day, which is a, the biggest day on our calendar, in Brantford at least. And after we did this, uh, what happened to the city in that same time frame, they had built a, a, a park, a, a, a square right in the middle of our downtown. Now it was beautiful. But nobody was coming downtown. It was just a beautiful, shiny square that nobody wanted to come to. I'll give you one more piece of background just so you can get a, a lovely visual. The downtown of was so bad that in, in 2006, they filmed the horror movie Silent Hill in our downtown. They didn't have to do anything to it. It had the dirt. It had the clothes. In fact, actually, no, that's not true. They had, to, they had to add store signs on the front of the, because there was no store sign. But we had everything. We had the dirt. We had the, we had the tumbleweed. We, we had the demons. We had everything. We had the whole thing for the horror movie. We had it all. Well, this is the place that God calls us, and now the city is trying to revitalize, and they build a square, but nobody's coming to the square. 
We'd help the city with, a mo- with movie nights the one summer, and after we were finished the movie nights, so basically what happens, they bought this big inflatable screen, they did free movie nights, we served popcorn and did a kid's program before the movie. After that, that summer, the girl that was running the square, she said, you know, we need to keep this going, we need to keep, we had a, seven people came that summer, and we need to keep momentum going. <laughs> Sorry, I exaggerated, it was eight. Uh, so she said, she said, what we need in the winter, we need to keep this going. Can you do a winter carnival? And I said, of course we can do a winter carnival. <laughs> it's funnier to me because I know what happened. Oh, okay, I'll tell you. So <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's 50 people in our church, and I said, of course we can do a winter carnival. And I go back to our leadership team and said, uh, uh, we're doing a winter carnival in Harmony Square this winter. So we Googled <laughs> winter carnival. And connected with some people. And we did it. We did a winter carnival that year. And 8,000 people showed up to the downtown. Nobody had been downtown for years. The next year, 12,000 people came. The next year, 15,000 people. In 2013, the mayor stood on the stage. And he called Frosty Fest, the name of our winter carnival. He called Frosty Fest the, the watershed moment of the transformation of our downtown. I'm not good at math, but there's more than 50 people here. From what I've already heard from Mark, just from him being here for a few months, and what I've seen of the quality people here, you have the ability to be the gate in Calgary. You have the ability to be the one that says, if you're going to get to Calgary, you have to come through us. I'm not suggesting that you be the only ones. I'm suggesting that you partner with other churches. That's what we do in Brantford. Eight years ago, I became the chair of what used to be called the Brantford Evangelical Ministers Association, which is a terrible name. It, like, if you do the acrostic on that, it's BEMA. Like, if you have any under, idea of, like, background, like, BEMA is like the, the judgment seat. So that's kind of what was happening in most of our churches, a lot of judgment. And so I said, I can't, I can't leave that. And so we changed the name of, of Bema to One Church. And we took a full year to talk about what we, why we existed. And we came up with this phrase, we exist, One Church exists to participate in the transformation of our city. And so now the church is working together, working. And, and when we talk about Canada Day now, Canada Day, I mean, 40,000, 50,000 people come to a big park in our city. And 40 and 50,000 people make a huge mess. And because I sit on the candidate committee, I said one day, about five years ago, years ago I said to them, I said to the committee, would it, would, it, would it be okay if the churches cleaned the park after Canada Day? And they looked around and said, what is his damage? And they said, yes. I said, good. And what had taken them, a bunch of them, a full day the year before? About 40, just 40 people from a bunch of different churches, not, not tons of people, 40 people showed up, and within two hours, we had cleaned the entire park. Cities don't talk about, just so you know, cities don't talk about Sunday mornings what you do at, on church. They don't. Cities don't care. Cities don't care that even if you got together with 40, 40 other churches and had a big Christmas service, cities don't care. You know what cities care about? You clean my park. That's what cities cared about. And if you want influence in a city, you have to be involved. I'm going to say that again because the baby agrees with me. <laughs> if you want influence, you have to have involvement. 
And let me tell you, you are created at, with kingdom in you to overflow of you to create culture in your city. You have to be involved. You have to be involved because God wants you to influence your city for his kingdom on earth, in Calgary as it is in heaven. Are you listening? In Calgary as it is in heaven. God's dream for the city needs a partner. God could come and just show up and, and snap his finger or, or I actually like the scripture in the New Testament that says that most of the things that Jesus did when they're defining it and, and John's wrapping it, it says he did it with the finger of God. All these things that Jesus did, just the finger of God. And so, so God could show up and just, you know, do his little finger thing and, and everything would change, but that's not how he's chosen to do it. He's chosen to put his treasure in jars of clay. His treasure is the gospel. Jars of clay is us. And so he's waiting for us to go, oh, I am co-laboring in the kingdom with Jesus. I'm working. And so, so that means if I'm going to serve Jesus correctly, I'm going to worship, and then I'm going to work. That's how we have freedom. That's how we, design, that's how we define, rather, the great commandment. The great commandment was to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. We define it this way. Worship, and then work. Because in one of the Gospels after Jesus said, love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors as yourself, in one of the Gospels, he then told the story of the, the Good Samaritan. You know the story, right? Where this guy gets beat up, and no one wants to stop. The religious people won't stop, and the Samaritan who was the outcast stops and takes care of him. And what he did was he took him to a hotel and paid for his bill and took care of him, bandaged his wounds and took total care of his physical needs. And that's how it proved that he loved him. And then Jesus said, you should go do that. And it's not because we're going we're gonna to swing the church way over here and become the social action team, but I think we should be a social action team. And it's not that we're going to swing the pendulum way over here and just be the worshipers. Actually, that's where the, what the church has done wrong for years. We've chosen one or the other, but really it's both. We should be meeting the needs of those in our city. We should be meeting. If there's hungry people in my neighborhood, that should affect me to do something. I should be a passionate lover of God, and I should worship passionately, but then I should passionately do what he says. And God is waiting for people in cities to grab a hold of that. I used to dream about God's plans. I told the guys on Thursday in, in Bible college in the 80s, studied, studied revivals, and we studied what God had done hundreds of years ago and through, through Luther and some guy named Menno. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Like guys that died for their faith. Guys like, guys like John Knox that said, give me Scotland or I die. And we've acquiesced to being nice. There's nothing wrong with being, being nice. In fact, kindness is part of that whole thing. But bringing God's culture is something a little bit different. So we bring his culture, and it, what it is is we get free. We meet Jesus, who's the gatekeeper. He's the only way to God. And we live free, which means the life of Jesus 
just dwells in us and it flows through us. And it not just flows through us, it overflows out of us because it's abundant, it's more than enough. It flows out of us. And then we free others. We free others. Two years ago, at Christmas time, I got a call from our mayor. He said, Brian, I want to speak at your church this Sunday. I said, okay, Chris, what's up? Because, I, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't strange. I'd had Chris speak at the church before. Just because we, we honor our politicians. We'd had him come. We've had Dave, Dave uh, Levac, our MP, or our MLA, and, and Phil McCormick, who you saw there. He'd spoken at a church before. Did a great sermon out of Philippians chapter 2. But Chris called me, and there's something different about this call when he called. And he said, uh, I said, okay, Chris, what's, what's up? He goes, well, Brian, I was sitting on my couch last night. I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm thinking about what you had told me. I was thinking about what, what my buddy Mark had told me before you. And he said, uh, now, just give you some background. Chris's spiritual background prior to that, he was actually a spiritual guy, but he would call himself a Buddhist with a side of Jesus. <laughs> he loved the Buddhist, Buddhist teaching. He loved the Eastern thinking. He loved suffering, apparently. So he, was, <laughs> he said, uh, but I'm sitting on my couch last night, and I'm thinking about everything you've told me. I'm thinking about what you said. And he said, I decided I was going to be a Christian sitting on my couch last night. He goes, I'll tell you the truth. I felt like if I was ever going to become a Christian, I felt like I was, I was asking, I was hoping for a Saul in the road to Damascus experience. I was hoping that I'd be driving my horse down the road, driving my car down the road, and I'd get knocked out of my car and not die and then turn to Jesus because I would be blinded for three days and somebody would pray for me in my eye. I was hoping for that. It didn't happen. I was sitting on my couch last night. I said, I'm going to be a Christian. He said, I want to speak at your church. And here's what he said. He said, I want to call it my coming out party. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And so Chris came and our, our church exploded. We just went. It was nuts. It was amazing. That was December two years ago. In January two years ago, we had our, our 10th anniversary service. No, sorry, it wasn't a service. It was our 10th. It was actually a media event. It was Saturday. We're having a media event. And so we invited all the media to come, and they came with the cameras. We were just going to have cake. With people, so we invited our MP Phil McCollman came. We invited our MPP uh, Dave Levac came, and Chris came, the mayor. Phil got up and said, "Oh, Freedom House, good for you. All the stuff you're doing." I said, "Yeah." Dave got up, "Oh, Freedom House, ah." Well, well, and and you know the media is taking pictures for this beautiful thing, and and Chris gets up and he goes, "I love worshiping with Freedom House." This is a media event. We're just here to have cake. He goes, uh, yeah, I've, I've really experienced some cool things, hanging out with people from Freedom House. And, you know, I don't go to their church. Sometimes I'll sneak into one of their worship services on Tuesday night. But I actually, I attend the Catholic church down the road. That's where I go to church. But I love hanging out with Freedom House, and I love how they worship. And uh, he, said, he said, honestly, I'm like, I'm like Catholic arms down here guy. We sing songs and my arms are down here. That's me. We sing. He said, but here's the deal. I've been hanging around with some Filipino Catholics. And they're more, more a arms up here kind of people. And he says, but in honor of Freedom House and their 10th anniversary, would you do something with me? It's our mayor at a media event. He said, grab a hand of the person beside you. Go, go ahead, go ahead. 
Go ahead, grab your hand. You guys especially, you, you young guys here, this won't be awkward at all. <laughs> grab a hand of the person beside you and put it high in the air. This is our mayor at a media event. And say, go ahead, I want, I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. And say with me, praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. And the place erupted again. God is looking for someone that will stand in the gap. God is looking for someone that will partner with Jesus, not for salvation. We can't do anything to add to salvation, but will partner in being a gate, maybe opening a gate to someone. Or stop something. You, because as spiritual gatekeepers, we stop the negative spiritual forces from coming into our city. You understand that, right? Maybe you'll be a gatekeeper at your school. Maybe you'll be a gatekeeper at your workplace. Maybe you'll be a gatekeeper in legislature. I don't know because all of these areas, these spheres of influence, all these areas besides the church, they all need to come together to see holistic transformation in our cities. And that is the heart of God for the time we live in. That is the heart of God for Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That is the heart of God that he wants us to grab. Who's going to say yes? Who's going to say yes? If you're going to say yes, I want you to stand on your feet. If you could, I'm going to have the worship team come back. Oh, wow. That was, <laughs> like, like that was better than the arm wave. You were already, like that was, Pastor Matt, that was fantastic. All you have to do is say yes and take a step. Don't say yes today and not be willing to take a step because very little of this happens in this room, right? I mean, you can do a barbecue in this room, but the fire department's going to come. You're going to get kicked out. It'll be such a mess. It happens in your schools, in business, in your church. Churches get together. Family, government. Media, all these spheres of influence. And he's looking for people to say, yes. Your kingdom, your life is in me and it's overflowing. And I say yes to let it overflow everywhere I go. Would you say that? How many want to do that? I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And I'm not here to tell you how to do it because it's going to look different everywhere. I, I would recommend don't do a winter carnival. It's way more work than you want to do. I'm telling you right now. But there are needs in your city that you can meet probably, you could probably start this week with something. As an individual, you could start with your family this week. You may want to say, man, I, I want to see the culture of my family better. I want to bring the kingdom culture into my family this week. And if it doesn't start there, by the way, it'll probably blow up later doing the other way. So I recommend it starting there. But then you, can need get, you need to get around people that have the same, like Lynn and this group of four couples that she talked about. You need to stay together and keep talking. How can we do this? And I want to tell you, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I told you the good stories. I didn't tell you the list of things that people call us because of the stuff we do in the city. It's a lovely list. I didn't tell you the three times that we tried to work together as a church in the city and it blew up. 
like really badly, where people wouldn't even, churches wouldn't even talk to each other for years. Let me tell you that. This is a marathon. But God is passionate about your neighbors. Just like he was passionate about you and came running after you, God is passionate for your neighbors and for those you work with. He's passionate for Calgary. So I don't know if I have the authority to do this, but I think I'll do it anyway because Mark let me do it in the first service. I just want to pray over you. I want to impart something because God got in my brain in, 1990, in May of 1999 and I couldn't get him out that he was passionate for people in cities. And if you're willing to let him do that, would you raise your hands up high? Just let him get in your brain. Then he's gonna, it's gonna fall about a foot and he's gonna get in your heart and then you're not gonna be able to get rid of him and he's gonna start giving you ideas of how to, how to partner with others to see transformation, holistic transformation that solves poverty on motivational poverty and material poverty and spiritual poverty and relational poverty. All the poverties that re- exist in your city, he's going to give you creative solutions for those things. So God, I, I declare in Jesus' name, today we say yes to your dream for us and for our family for our neighborhood, for our workplace, our school, for our city. We bless those in authority. We bless the mayor. We bless the premier of Alberta. We bless and not curse. We speak blessing. We bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so I declare today in Jesus' name that every person from the youngest to the oldest that hears this message and says, I can do something. God, that you will, you will give them creative ideas on how to bring your kingdom on earth in Calgary, Alberta as it is in heaven. And so I bless SunWest Church to be able to do that. The families and the leadership team I bless them to be able to know your dream and have the strategy on how to live it out. Come, Lord. Be the gate in our city. Help us to partner and be with you as gatekeepers for our city. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So if the Father is stirring something in your heart today, You don't need to go talk to Pastor Matt. You don't need to come talk to me. Because Jesus already spoke to this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So there you have it. The blessing of Jesus Christ himself. You don't have to wait for serve day. If there's folks in your home group that uh, have something similar in their heart, I'd encourage you to work together. Think of strategic ways. Again, this isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. Think of strategic ways. You can love people in your neighborhood or projects you can do. But even before that, think of somebody in your workplace tomorrow, somebody in your school, somebody in your neighborhood that you can love on. I just want to announce publicly, SunWest is a church that does portable church. You may think that means coming here and setting up stuff. That's, that's part of it. But we are a portable church. 
We are taking love to South Calgary. We're taking his kindness. We're taking his peace and his joy. You can love on people, encourage people, help people starting today. So I bless you. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to go from this place filled with peace, filled with joy. I know for many of you, there's been a battle. You've been through stuff. You've been through pain and loss, but you've overcome. You've overcome. We just sang it. And I declare in the name of Jesus that that overcoming spirit of life and victory will overflow from your heart that you will be able to encourage others and take the joy and the transforming power of Jesus Christ all over South Calgary to Mexico and to the ends of the earth. These are great days to be alive and sharing his life. May his peace and his strength flood out of you even as you smile at the people around you, even as you share an encouraging word, that this week, the victory of Jesus would be experienced in your school, in your work, in your neighborhood, with your family, whoever you touch. Go in peace, and then the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you. Have an awesome week.